0: The Secrets of Middle-Earth is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit
1: sqpn.com slash give.
0: You're listening to The Secrets of Middle-Earth, where we discuss the hidden themes and deeper layers found in the works of J.R.R. Tolkien, whether in his writings or in any of the media derived from them. I'm Thomas Salerno, and joining me today on the panel are Jeff Hecker. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Thomas. And Caitlin Facista. Hello, Caitlin. Hello. And Thomas Sanjuro. Hi, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. <laughs> and be sure to follow The Secrets of Middle Earth in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. And you can find us on social media at facebook.com slash Media or on Twitter, where we are at SQPN, or on Instagram, where we are at Starquest Network. And I just want to wish a uh, happy Tolkien Reading Day 2023 to all our listeners, because um, that's what we'll be celebrating today in this special episode. But before we dive into that, I just want to um, discuss a little bit of feedback that we got on our recent Tom Bombadil episode, which was, we're really well-received. By all the fans, and I was I was really edified by that. But um, we got this really interesting comment. Uh, Marksman Gaming on YouTube writes, Tolkien equates Beren and Luthien as himself and Edith, so I would postulate that Bombadil and Goldberry are their equivalent in Lord of the Rings. Tolkien is, of course, the eldest, as he also predates Middle-earth, and he is the creator or master who formed the world. When the Lord of the Rings was published, it looked as if there was no possibility of the Silmarillion ever being published. So perhaps to maintain the Baron Luthian love story, he puts in Bombadil to pay tribute to his love for Edith. What do you guys think of that that angle? I hadn't really thought of that before.
1: I think I think Bombadil's an easy one to to peg as the um, the creator. Right, the story, the stories, the 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 writer stand in, um, like I, like I don't mind it at all. I think that's I think that's a great thought about Tolkien, but it tells you a lot about Tolkien and how he viewed himself as well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a cute that's a cute idea. I like it.
3: Yeah, and I I, I agree as well. Uh, I don't have anything really profound to say in a, in response, but I think it's yeah, a very cool idea.
0: Yeah, and of course, like you know, Tom Bombadil discussions could just like go out of control and take over the entire hour. But today's uh, today's celebration is of Tolkien Reading Day. And uh, if, if you don't know what that is, um, Jeff, I think you have a little bit of information about this special Tolkien holiday for us.
3: Yeah, th- uh, for sure. So Tolkien Reading Day is held on the 25th of March every year. The date of uh, this date is chosen because it was the date that Frodo destroyed the ring completing the quest and vanquishing Sauron. Um, And it's been organized since 2003 by the Tolkien Society. So this is actually, I guess, the 20th anniversary of it. Um, And it just encourages uh, there's fans to celebrate and promote the life of uh, J.R.R. Tolkien by reading some favorite passages. And uh, there's a different theme every year. I I haven't looked up the past themes uh, to see what all they've been. But and I'm not sure if there has been a theme every year. But this year, I think, as we've noted, is travel and adventure. Right. I think it's
0: also interesting to note um, that not only is it it held on March the 25th, which in-universe, of course, is the date where Frodo destroys the ring, but for us Catholics, it's also a notable date because it is the date of an important Marian feast of the Feast of the Annunciation, in which you'll remember in the Gospels, um, the Archangel Gabriel appears, to Mary in Nazareth and announces that she will be the mother of the Messiah. And of course, she proclaims her famous fiat, her yes. And that is how uh, our Lord Jesus Christ becomes incarnate in, in this world. And it's uh, March the 25th is also traditionally held to be the date of the crucifixion, although Good Friday is technically a movable feast because Lent is in a different time frame every year, so Good Friday moves around. But the sort of traditional, you know, I, I hesitate to say legendary, but I mean, I, I mean legendary in like in the best Tolkienian sense of that word. Um, March the twenty fifth is is often held to be the date of the crucifixion. So I, I'm pretty sure that Tolkien did that deliberately. <laughs> Had the date of the great U catastrophe in his story. Be the same date as the great U catastrophe in salvation history. What do you think, guys? I'm hmm. I'm pretty sure that was absolutely deliberate. Oh, definitely,
3: <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs>
0: yeah. So uh, we've we've actually collected uh, some of our favorite Tolkien quotes, um, including those um, about travel and adventure, to celebrate this Tolkien Reading Day, and and we just want to discuss like why these quotes are important to us and why we think they embody this this great theme because adventure is one of like is i'm glad they picked this theme this year because it's one of my favorite things about tolkien and, and and about his writings that sense of adventure so um let's uh let's go around the panel um jeff uh wh- why don't you start us off with uh what what's your first passage that you want to highlight
3: sure yeah so i think this one starts us off well it's actually from the hobbit um i don't have the hobbit book in front of me so i don't can't give you a page number or anything but it's um i believe when before when gandalf is trying to recruit for uh bilbo and he said bilbo in response says we are plain quiet folk and have no use for adventures nasty disturbing uncomfortable things make you late for dinner so <laughs> i love that <laughs> yes so i think that's that's a good starting point for us because uh and and as i was kind of googling around with that quote a lot of different churches and christian faiths have used that as kind of like a a basis for a sermon um which i just thought was kind of a neat tie-in but it just i the hobbit just love that um how bill as we see bilbo starts out with just he's very comfortable in his life doesn't want to you know leave his his tea time and his uh his mother's cozies and, and everything else in his, and I mean, he's got a nice house, so it's, uh, it's a nice place to hang out, but um, Gandalf, you know, calls him and to his adventure, just like, um, you know, in our faith, we're called to our adventure of our, whatever our life and vocation is. But yeah, it's just, I, I definitely feel that way myself. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I got to go do this thing or, you know, I'm, I'm relaxing and my kids need something or whatever the case may be. So um, just, I love that as just a starting point and how he's, he goes from this, you know, kind of crotchety, crotchety young man to a adventurous old man. Cause he's, he has adventures for the rest of his life. Like he, I hey. believe he walks to Rivendell by himself after he leaves his birthday party in, in a fellowship. Um, and he hangs out at Rivendell for a while, but then he, um, you know, and then he goes obviously to the, to the gray Havens in the end. So, um. Yeah, he's so he goes from just the and of course, just his main adventure of going to Erebor. So um, but he leaves his nice, comfortable place and his nice dinners and everything and <laughs> goes on the road. So, um, yeah, I just thought that was a kind of a funny quote as kind of a starting point for this theme.
0: Yeah, Bilbo's kind of the quintessential Tolkien adventurer, right? Like if I had to associate any character with just the pure idea of adventure, it would be Bilbo. And I think that's kind of what makes him one of my favorites.
1: Yeah. He grows into his own over the course of that adventure. Yeah. Like that's the really cool part of it. Cause it starts from that place of not wanting to go. And then once he's gone, that is who he is. He just travels that road.
3: Yeah. And I just, I know, I know we like, we like to, to just joke about the Hobbit films, but I do like in the, uh in the first one where he goes, he's, he says he's not going. And then he just starts running down the road and, they're like, Where are you going, Mr. Bilbo? I'm going on an adventure. And just yeah. it's a great, great gift. I use it all the time. Yeah, how um, many <laughs> times I've used that gift? But so he's <laughs> Yeah, it's because he's by nature, he's he's a little more curious than most hobbits, and Gandalf kind of reminds him of that. That he was you know, in your youth you were you were curious and, and enjoyed the adventure, and you've kind of become this kind of crotchety guy. So um, but yeah. Yeah, I just love how um
0: how awkward that scene is where everyone's coming over his house, all the dwarves and Gandalf <laughs> and Bilbo just like, doesn't know what to do. He's so just like, Oh, Oh, he's like freaking out. He's like, <laughs> I'm just like, they, they, he would have been the last, the, the last person the dwarves would have expected Gandalf to pick is this, this guy. Mm-hmm. What do they call him? The, that little fellow bobbing on the mat. And it's just <laughs> like, <laughs> But yeah, he like you said, Thomas, he, he grows into the role, which mm-hmm. is just which is just so great, you know, and, and by the end of his journey, by, by by the end of his journey to Erebor, he's like a full fledged adventurer. And then by the end of his life, he's kind of looking back on his life and saying, I, I can't really do this anymore, which is kind of bittersweet. But it's 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 a good arc for his character.
2: Absolutely.
1: So what what about you, Thomas? What's your first quote? All right. So I'm going to start with uh, the beginning of Frodo's adventure. Uh, I think that's, that's where I'll go to. Uh, it's shortly after the party. Well, it's, it's not shortly after the party, it's shortly after the party in the book. So it's in the the second chapter of the fellowship of the ring and Gandalf has gone away and come back and gone away and come back um, to the Shire. And finally uh, the story of the ring is unfolding before Frodo and Frodo asks how, on earth did it come to me and Gandalf's response and the back and forth that they have is very good and so Gandalf says ah said Gandalf that is a very long story the beginnings lie back in the black years which only the lore masters now remember if I were to tell you all that tale we should be sitting here when spring had passed into winter but last I told you of Sauron the Great the Dark Lord the rumors that you have heard are true he has indeed risen again and left his hold in Mirkwood and returned to his ancient fastness in the dark tower of Mordor. That name even you hobbits have heard of, like a shadow on the borders of old stories. Always, after a defeat and a respite, the shadow takes another shape and grows again. To which Frodo responds, I wish it need not have happened in my time. So do I, said Gandalf, and so do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with that time that is given us. And then they go on and talk a little bit more. And there's like one more bit that I want to pull out of it because uh, it goes back and forth, gets a lot of the history of the ring and um, Gollum is mentioned in this history. And it said, uh, Frodo says after all this, but this is terrible. Cried Frodo far worse than the worst that I imagined from your hints and warnings of Gandalf, best of friends. What am I to do for now? I'm really afraid. What am I to do? What a pity that Bilbo did not stab that vile creature when he had the chance. And Gandalf says, Pity? It was pity that stayed his hand. Pity and mercy. Not to strike without need. And he has been well rewarded, Frodo. Be sure that he took so little hurt from the evil and escaped in the end, because he began his ownership of the ring so. With pity. And then we get to the end of the story, uh, where we see that that pity actually saves the whole world because golem is still around to finish the job that you know Frodo walks all the way to the last moment and isn't able to complete his mission but then golem is able to like you know through folly but through a purposeful folly completes that mission and drops the the ring into the fire and so that without that pity without that mercy that frodo gave at the beginning of this whole adventure uh it wouldn't have been anything it wouldn't have come to anything in the end and i love mm-hmm. that frame that's put on it
0: yeah uh, th- uh, thomas you should read
1: audiobooks
0: by the <laughs> way you're <laughs> you're a very good narrator
1: that's my that's my my kids love my gandalf voice i i do mm-hmm. i do a lot of voice acting for them when we're reading so they know nice. and, and if i get it wrong they will let me know if i forget how <laughs> i did the voice last time it's like that's not eric that's, on not, voice, that's not how it goes <laughs>
0: Um. Yeah, I actually that the 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 chapter you pulled from, which I believe is Shadow of the Past, right in the the Fellowship of the Ring. Mm -hmm. I love that chapter, just the Mm -hmm. the mood of it, Mm -hmm. where because like otherwise you would just think, well, that chapter is just an exposition dump. It's just Gandalf talking to Frodo, but the mood that Tolkien sets, I I don't know what it is about, but it's so like ominous and dreadful like you know mm-hmm. i i just love the whole mood of that chapter and it's and it it's interspersed with these little hopeful moments right. you know like when
1: he I says i think that's what really does it is those yeah. little cadences of those little those little beats of hope that that strike through the whole thing and you get i love the the persona that you get of gandalf here because he has just learned probably the most terrible news that he could possibly have learned and mm is delivering it to this poor little unwitting hobbit <laughs> that he is really worried about. Um, but he's delivering it in a way that's like, I'm going to code it as nicely as I can, but this is bad, <laughs> right? This is like really, really bad news. So his bedside manner is flawless through this whole thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just great. And I, I, I love that one section where he says, um, I'm not sure. I, I can't remember if if this was in what you read, Thomas, but where he says uh, that that the the second age, the sort of the the history lesson that he gives mm-hmm. to Frodo, he's like that would do uh, it would do well for you to recall it, you know. Mm-hmm. He says because there was sorrow then too and gathering dark, but great valor and great deeds that are not wholly vain. That's one of my favorite quotes mm-hmm. ever from the whole. Lord of the Rings. Oh, that chapter is yeah. so
1: good. It's it, so it, it, well it written, and and there's <laughs> no such action. There's no
0: nothing. It's just two people talking, and it's brilliant. Yeah,
1: no, I totally agree.
0: So, what about you, Caitlin? What a uh, what passage do you have for us?
2: Sure. So, for my first, actually, for both of my passages, I picked a poem. But for my first one, it is from the Fellowship of the Ring, and it's something that Bilbo kind of bursts out into song. Um, after he's uh, I think it's after he's given Frodo sting and the mithril coat and he's kind of getting ready to say goodbye to Frodo before he sets off from Rivendell and it's I sit beside the fire and think so I'm not going to read the whole poem but I'll read I'll read the first section Um, I sit beside the fire and think of all that I have seen of meadow flowers and butterflies and summers that have been and I really love this poem especially when thinking about adventure because I think it ties in really well with uh, your first quote Jeff because we're just looking at the beginning of Bilbo's adventure but here this is really Bilbo at the end of his adventure and he's kind of got this contemplative moment where he's he's looking back on his life about all of the flowers and butterflies that he's seen all of the summers that he's experienced and then the poem goes on talking about all of the autumn um, and the winters that he's seen. And then at the end of the poem, he kind of moves on to think about like, what is the world going to be like after I'm gone? And I don't know, just the whole thing is very, it's very moving. I think like the older I get, I know I'm not very old yet, but even like, even compared to 10 years earlier, like, I feel like this poem means so much more to me now. Um, Mm -hmm. just looking back on Bilbo's adventures and, and just kind of, Thinking about your own mortality, which is a big theme for Tolkien, um, I just think it's a really cool poem.
0: Yeah, this is like Tolkien' bittersweet melancholy at its best, right? You mm-hmm. know, where it's it it's it's not despair, it's not darkness, but it it's sad, but at the same time, hopeful and and joyful. And I I think that's yeah too was part of what makes that poem so powerful.
2: Right. It's like he's looking back on his life and, and every moment that he experienced with a, a special kind of fondness. But then he's also reflecting on the fact that he's not always going to be there. He says. um, He says something about how, like, in every every new season, there's a different shade of green and there's, you know, like he's not going to get to see every shade of green that is. And that just is something mm. that really s- sticks with you as you're thinking about your own mortality and your own life mm. and death.
0: And that. Kind of God has put you and, and in as God has kind of put you in this moment, in this time in history. And that sort of ties into what you were saying, Thomas, too. And in, in your mm-hmm. quote, where it's like the time that is given us is what's important. You know, yeah. we we weren't born centuries ago. We weren't born centuries in the future. We've been placed at this time here at this moment to do some distinct service. And we may not know what it is until... The next world, but you know God knows he, he's he's the master you know uh uh symphony artist, the master chorus master he's put all of his musicians. it's almost like we're all you know we're all musicians, he's placed all of us and given us all the parts to play. At a specific time, like the music of the Ainur. There you go. I was
2: just gonna <laughs> say. <Yeah>. <laughs> that <laughs> sounds a little back. bit familiar. Bring it bring back. It back.
0: <laughs> Always to the music of the Ainur. Yeah, I, I think uh, for, for my first quote, and again, this is one of my well, one of my favorites. Um, it's in the Fellowship of the Ring, and I, I I I think that the I can't remember which chapter exactly this is from. Frodo mentions this to to Pippin and Sam while they're walking on the road that he he quotes Bilbo. He says, Bilbo used to say to him, quote, it's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out your door. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. And I just love that. That is, that's just Bilbo. That kind of encapsulates uh-huh. <laughs> Bilbo for me and why I love Bilbo so much. And, you know, he he, I love that he's saying this to inspire his nephew to kind of mm-hmm. look at things differently. You know, don't look at, at the, even the, the path, the garden path is like an ordinary road. You know, it could lead you anywhere if you're not careful. And I, I just love yeah. that. I, I think that's great that it just kind of, whenever I think of adventure and Tolkien, the spirit of adventure, I always come back to that quote.
1: And I really like that. It comes from, from Bilbo and the concept of like the, the there and back again. His, his tale, yeah. his portion of the the Lord of the Rings tale. That's the trip out and then returning home. Um, mm-hmm. But then it's also got this really amazing quality of a road being a river. And that means so much in his story with, you know, the, the river that they traveled down in the barrels, the and barrels, yeah, arriving at Dale at the foot of the mountain. And it's, it's, there's so much depth to uh, to that quote when you build it around Bilbo's character and what he's been through.
0: Yeah, right, and uh, there's just there's just so much there. I, and I, I love how Bilbo plays such a, a huge role in The Fellowship of the Ring because it really makes it work as a sequel, especially for, and it's funny, I wasn't one of these people, but for people who read The Hobbit first, The Fellowship of the Ring must be so... You know, n- there's a lot of nostalgia stuff there. Mm-hmm. If you read The Hobbit first because Bilbo is such a presence in the early chapters of Fellowship, even when he's not there, they're always talking about him. So I, I, I just love that his adventure kind of goes on in a way through his nephew and through. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's the same adventure because it, it it's the ring, right? You right. know, so that, mm-hmm. it you know, Bilbo found the ring on his adventure, and that kind of it it just keeps going it's like i think bilbo says at one point don't the great adventures never end you know and that no someone always comes in to carry it on when your part's over
3: so jeff what what's your next passage yeah so speaking of bilbo um and hobbits my next one is actually the um riddle of strider which you may for our, our listeners may remember um this was kind of included in rings of power and it was um Poppy Proudfellows song when they were, when the, the Harfoots were wandering. Um, it's the Not All Who Wonder Are Lost, but he, it actually comes from, uh, it, it's, it's a poem that Bilbo wrote in the Lord of the Rings. And, um, it's actually included in a letter that Gandalf leaves for, uh, Frodo at, in Bree when, and the, you can kind of think of it as they were, they've already had several adventures, the Hobbits have. They've, they've, uh, evaded ring race they've encountered tom bombadil and elves uh Barrow whites they've done quite a bit of adventuring already probably more than most hobbits other than bilbo have yeah um and their way there, they're there to meet gandalf but obviously but he doesn't show up so um i'll just read the poem here um it's all that is gold does not glitter not all those who wander are lost the old that is strong does not wither deep roots are not reached by the frost. From the ashes of fire shall be woken a light from the shadow shall spring renewed shall be the blade that was broken the crownless again shall be king so there's a lot there and we could probably spend a lot of time talking about that whole <laughs> yeah. uh, that quote but yeah. <laughs> i just um and i just like that the you know not all who wonder are lost. Yeah. and that's kind of what what brought me to the to this to include in, in the first place but we're learning about Aragorn here or at this point with Strider and, and we don't know anything about him, but this whole poem tells you everything, pretty much everything about him that he's destined to be the King. Um, but the Hobbits don't know that yet. And we as in the audience wouldn't, if you've never read it probably won't know that yet. So <laughs> um, and Aragorn's his, his whole life has been an adventure pretty much um, yeah. as and his, his people are Rangers. They, they rarely stay in one place for too long um, and even if they they do stay in a place, they're kind of still adventuring. Um, so I just really, yeah, I, and I like that it was included in Rings of Power, and it was kind of a nice um, kind of tied into the the actual canon of the of the mm-hmm. books. But um, and you, and even thinking about it uh, to tie it into our faith, it's by the time we're recording this, we're we're almost to Ash Wednesday and and the start of Lent. So um, by the time you're hearing this, we'll be in the middle of Lent and close to the end, but it's kind of the, um, you know, there's the ashes there that the, the ashes, we, we come from ashes and we're, we're saying we, we shall return to them, but it's also Lent stirs a fire within us. It's kind of, mm-hmm. we're, we're kind of burning, you know, after, especially after Advent um, and we're kind of getting into the ordinary time and kind of may things kind of settle down, but then Lent kind of starts and it's like stirring up the, you know, we, we may start to get a little like, okay, we're back to normal. And then all of a sudden it's, it's Lent and we're we're fasting and doing penance and whatever else you you personally practice during Lent. so um but i yeah i just love that poem and that quote and um i said before aragorn's one of my favorite characters so um it's kind of his like it's his uh his elevator pitch for who he is <laughs> um, <laughs> if, if you can say yeah um, his manifesto of course it's, yeah exactly and of course it's included in the films but not it, it's more of the they cut out most of the the second, it cut out the first half of it, but um, but yeah, I just love this. So,
2: if only we all had our own elevator pitch that
3: cool. I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah. like,
2: I wish I had a poem like that about me,
3: written by Tolkien. <laughs> right. I'm right. sure there's an, <laughs> there's an AI out there that we can use to,
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh my to write god,
3: to our, write our pitch.
2: <laughs> That's right.
0: I am Aragorn, and those verses go with that name. Like, that's his only explanation, you know, It's like mm-hmm. th- these verses are attached to me. Yeah, it's like, a, I love how he, yeah, he's like a full time adventurer, essentially, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, he, he's the adventurer almost like Bilbo's like a, a part time adventurer. Aragorn lives it
3: <laughs> every right.
0: single day.
2: Well, and you can see that later on when the when the hobbits have been following for a little bit, they're like you know, ha ha Strider, pretty soon we're going to be as dirty and stinky as you. And then he's like, it would take you an extremely long time to get as dirty and stinky as me. Right. (laughs) It just kind of illustrates how much of a full time adventurer he really is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love how they get like
0: confidence in him later. And they, they, they just know that Strider can just do stuff. He can like do the unimaginable. Like one of my favorite little moments. In the trilogy is in Return of the King when Aragorn goes to the Houses of Healing and he walks in and Pippin's there and Pippin's like, Strider, I knew it was you and the Black Ships. How did you do it? And it's just (laughs) just like, he's just, you know, he just knew Aragorn would pull through somehow, you know, somehow, Mm -hmm. some way Aragorn would make things work. And I just love that confidence he has in his
1: friend. The 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 hobbits are such great such great characters. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're they're very much us throughout the whole book, right? It's like mm-hmm. just, that's the way we react to all the stuff too, right? Even his name, Strider. You know,
0: mm-hmm. he, he's wa- He's he's traveling. He's always traveling, and he even makes that his like the the name of his royal house mm-hmm. once he becomes king,
1: which is just the best yeah. thing ever. I just love that. <laughs> he, he knows what was good. Yeah. So I'm going to come back to Aragorn. That's okay. going to be I, I'm going to end on a high note. And in the middle here, I wanted to do one that um, I really feel like encapsulates kind of Sam's character. And uh, the, the the thing I like about Sam's character is Sam is the pragmatist, right? He's the one that's he's there because he's working with Frodo. He's there because somebody has to be there. Uh, he's that person that just took up the mantle because he had to do it. And this this passage is kind of it's just a mundane passage. It's really like it's in there in the middle of things, but it's at the deepest, darkest part of their journey. And it shows so much of Sam's character and and who he is. But then also it really gives you a feel that this was this was a story written by a man who had experienced darkness, who had had really like delved into the dark and had been there many many years later um uh tim o'brien wrote a, a book called the, the things they carried which is a fantastic book about uh, the vietnam war and kind of soldiers and th- not only the the physical things that they carried with them but the burdens of you know the trauma and the, the stress and all of the things that they dealt with and you really feel that here because this is in the midst of mordor they are very close. They, they've just been they've just escaped the orcs. They've been dressed as orcs for a while and traveling through Mordor to try and get to Mount Doom. And uh, Sam reaches out to try and help uh, Frodo carry the ring. And Frodo nearly kills him. Frodo like reaches for his sword and is about to, to draw his sword to, to murder him. And um, Sam, it, it says here, uh, Sam nodded. I understand, he said, but I've been thinking, Mr. Frodo. There's other things we might do without. Why not light the load a bit? We're going that way now, as straight as we can make it, he pointed to the mountain. It's no good taking anything we're not sure to need. Rhoda looked again towards the mountain. No, he said. We shan't need much on that road, and at its end, nothing. Picking up his orc shield, he flung it away and threw his helmet after it. Then pulling off the gray cloak, he undid the heavy belt and let it fall to the ground, and he sheathed the sword with it. The shreds of black cloak he tore off and scattered. There. I'll be an orc no more, he cried, and I'll bear no weapon, fair or foul. Let them take me if they will. Sam did likewise and put aside his orc gear and he took out all the things in his pack. Somehow each of them had become dear to him, if only because he had borne them so far with so much toil. Hardest of all, it was to part with his cooking gear. Tears welled in his eyes at the thought of casting it away. And then he remembers the moment where uh, he was with Faramir and they pass a little bit more, and Sam throws the things away into into a fissure because he says he was not willing to leave them lying open in the wilderness for any to see. Stinker picked up that orc shirt seemingly, and he wasn't going to add a sword to it. His hands are bad enough when empty, and he is not going to mess with my pants. With that, he carried all the <laughs> gear away to one of the many gaping fissures that scored the land and threw them in. The clatter of his precious pants as they fell down into the dark was like a death knell to his heart and that's just that's like sam in a, mm. in a nutshell. <laughs> and I, I really love that and, and if anybody who's ever done any hiking or had to carry gear like everything becomes very precious to you over that over that time that you're that you're walking with it and so to have to make a decision to leave something is very hard and as a hobbit the cooking gear has got to be like <laughs> just the absolute worst uh. and so you you see here that like sam is willing to give it up To complete the mission like that's how in he is is that he's willing to to go that last mile knowing that you know without cooking gear they're not going to make it back out that this is it this is their last steps and they're going to take them together
2: that last line about the clatter being like a death nail that just like pierces you right through the heart it's so devastating Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's a
0: rough passage
2: He's really just, like, letting go of everything. He's pouring mm-hmm. himself entirely. Like, he's not holding back at all at this point. It's just, like, it's so inspiring, but it's so sad to read, too.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, he says,
0: like, I'll, I'll get there if I leave only my bones behind. Mm-hmm. You know, he, is, he is all in. And, yeah, he sacrifices everything. And, yeah, and, like, you, you, you got to think that in the back of his mind, he's like like many writers of his generation is kind of dealing with the trauma of the first world war right and what you go through with comrades in like an unspeakably terrible awful situation
1: yeah and and you feel that here you feel all of that darkness uh weighing down on him that's why that's why it means so much when they get to the end and, and like this is I would say that the climax of this book, I, I didn't even realize it until I was like sitting here, you know, like looking for these passages. The climax of this book is right at the end. Like there is not much closure after the after the ring is dropped into Mount Doom. There's there's one chapter, basically, and it's not even a very long chapter at that right after that moment. So uh, it gets really, really dark right before it lets up at the end. and. And this is that moment where everything's just crushing down around them mm. and uh, so good because you really do feel it. And it's it's such a stupid, mundane thing, but it you you feel the meaning of it. You feel the weight of it.
2: This is a really good um, chapter to read during Lent, too. If you can't mm. read all of the Lord of the Rings during Lent, like read this chapter.
3: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I was trying to find it in my copy of, I have Return of the King right here. Um, At some point, I I can't remember if it's before or after this, this part, but there at some point though, um, they look up it's nighttime in Mordor and which is mostly covered by smoke and ash from Mount Doom. And, but at one point they look up and they see the star, Arendelle, which um, Mm -hmm. as we've just, if you, we've discussed both from Rings of Power and otherwise that it's the, Arendelle was the one who brought the Valar to Come save save the world, uh, or come request the aid of the Valar. But it's just, just even with this darkness and that that quote you have, it's they still see that hope and and that kind of that guiding mm-hmm. star of that adventure. So I just that while you were talking about that, that made me think of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And that's the Mount
1: Doom chapter is I, okay. I quoted, but that's, okay, yeah. that's where it is. It's in the Mount Doom chapter. And I think, I think that okay. part isn't, it's either in there or, or maybe just before that in the land of shadow, because I think that's what keeps them going after they've gotten your the clothes right. and having to hide through things as they're going. But yeah, both of those, yeah, very, very <laughs> intense moments. And yeah, you get that, Caitlin, you're right. That, that feel of Lent is very prevalent throughout those chapters.
0: Uh, uh, Caitlin, I, I think your next passage is also in the Mordor section, right?
2: Yeah, these two tie in really well together. This is my I only had two passages, but I think they're good. Um, So my second one is also a poem. And this poem is sung by Sam as he finds himself unable to find Frodo. So Frodo has been been captured and he's been taken into this tower and Sam is climbing all of these steps and he gets to the top of the steps. And like there's nothing there. And he's just at a complete loss, like without any hope. And so he just like he can't find Frodo. There's there's no possible way that he could be anywhere. Um, And so he he kind of just like sits down and is having this really, really rough moment. Um, But then he starts to sing this song and um, it's not that long. So I guess I'll read the whole thing. In Western lands beneath the sun, the flowers may rise in spring. The trees may bud, the waters run, the merry finches sing. Or there may be, tis cloudless night, and swaying beaches bare, the elven stars as jewels white amid their branching hair. Though here at journey's end I lie, in darkness buried deep, beyond all towers strong and high, beyond all mountains steep, above all shadows rides the sun, and stars forever dwell. I will not say the day is done, nor bid the stars farewell. So I really love, I mean, I think this is my favorite Tolkien quote in general, but I think it fits the theme of travel and adventure pretty well because you see Sam, he's like at the end of all hope. He's gone on this massive adventure. He's gone this whole way with Frodo. And even after being parted from Frodo, he's following Frodo. And he feels like he's at the end of the end of everything. Like he has he has no idea what to do right now. Um, and yet he's got this sense of hope. He knows that even though he's in the land of shadow where there's nothing good, he knows that there's this goodness that exists outside of where he is. Like he can, he can still close his eyes and picture like a different place where the sun is still shining. And that brings him enough hope to, um, to carry on. And then it's his song that ultimately alerts, alerts um, Frodo to his location, because I think it's then an orc yells down is like, you know, cut out that racket. And then he realizes that Frodo is above him. And so that's how he figures out where Frodo is. So it's like this song that he's singing in utter hopelessness that brings about his hope. And it's just it's just so overwhelming. I don't yeah. know. I it's one of my favorite quotes.
1: I like that it starts out by him just murmuring songs that he remembers mm-hmm. as a child. So he's almost like gone back into this fetal position, right? Where he's curled up and just reminding himself of home in that way that you would, like murmuring, you know, children's rhymes, and then suddenly this beautiful passage flows out of it.
2: Right, and it like builds as he's becoming more strengthened with this hope that's coming from his song and it's ultimately what helps him out in the end.
0: Yeah, I I I just love that. There are oh, there are so many great songs in uh and oh, I was, I was just reminded of another one uh that I really like uh Treebeard's song about mm-hmm. the Entwives, just like the 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 way it ends where they talk about um Oh, gosh, how does it go? But yeah, where he he talks about that um, they and the Entwives might meet in the future uh, in in a land where they both might find rest. I just think is really beautiful. But uh, but yeah, but technically my my next entry is actually another Bilbo Frodo connection, which is um, the song called The Road Goes Ever On. Um, and there's a, a version that Bilbo sings and there's a version that Frodo th- sings. Um, uh, it, it It's kind of a long song. There are a lot of stanzas, but I want to highlight two standa- stanzas in, in particular. Um, one is when uh, Bilbo has has just given up the ring with Gandalf's help and he's going to leave the party and he realizes he's, you know, he's he's going on his last adventure. He's, he's, he's going with the dwarves to Rivendell. And he sings, The road goes ever on and on, down from the door where it began. Now far ahead the road is gone, and I must follow if I can, pursuing it with eager feet until it joins some larger way, where many paths and errands meet, and whither then I cannot say. And then later in Return of the King... Frodo sings a version of this song as he's sort of contemplating his future trip to Valinor. And he he modifies the song a little bit. He sings, still round the corner there may wait a new road or a secret gate. And though I oft have passed them by, a day will come at last when I shall take the hidden paths that run west of the moon, east of the sun. I I just love both of these. They're they're so beautiful, and again, they just they to to me they just exemplify that kind of spirit of high adventure that I really really love in fantasy stories. And I wish we Mm -hmm. got more of these days because now a, a lot of them are kind of focused on like on character stuff and kind of like you know violence and warfare and stuff is what is emphasize these days and i kind of miss the high adventure mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. and and the the road goes ever on is i i think exemplifies that spirit of kind of mm-hmm. tolkienian adventure a lot of
1: finding the way that's i i, I think yeah. that's one of the beautiful parts about it is that there's there's so many opportunities where they are stuck in their past uh you know they're they're lost they're i mean they're, they're never really lost but they're always going somewhere and something is keeping them from continuing. And so they have to find another way. Yeah. And that, that's life. You know, it's like, that's just the way it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, you've got this path all laid out for you. You've got this plan of what you're going to do, but it's never that easy.
0: No. And and, and you, you you don't even have to know the way forward, really. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you don't. You just have to kind of put one foot in front of the other and see where the road right. takes you, which is kind of what what this song is about. You know, and, and whither then I cannot say. You know, I really don't know where I, where this is headed in the end. But you know, I don't know I'm 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 sure it will be. A, you know, what what is does uh, the gaffer say? All's well as ends better. Right. Right. No, no matter what happens <laughs> along the way, <laughs> everything has a way of working out. Um. Uh. Jeff, did you have one last one?
3: Yeah. So. um I did have I had two, but I I'll, I'll give this one because just because I I love it so much, um, and it's actually going back to our um, faith of Tolkien episode. But I, I'm going to the very end of of Return of the King, the Grey Havens, when um, everybody uh, or well, and Frodo and Gandalf and are leaving Middle Earth, uh, and Bilbo are leaving Middle Earth, and um, it 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 goes it goes back to what what we quoted or. Uh, back in that episode, but I'm just gonna read it again. Cause I think it's just an awesome quote, but it's um, I'll just read this whole paragraph. Um, then Frodo kissed Mary and Pippin and last of all, Sam and went aboard and the sails were drawn up and the wind blew. And slowly the ship slipped away down the long grave berth, and the light of the glass of Galadriel that Frodo bore glimmered and was lost. And the ship went out into the high sea and pass on into the west. Until at last, on a night of rain, Frodo smelled a sweet fragrance on the air and heard the sound of singing that came over the water. And then it seemed to him that, that as in his dream in the house of Bombadil, the gray rain curtain turned all to silver glass and was rolled back. And he beheld white shores and beyond them, a far green country under a swift sunrise. So I think just every time I hear that, whether it's in... The two times in the book or the the time in the film, um which again, uh, I was just thinking that a lot of this uh, the the Gandalf and Frodo stuff gets attributed to Gandalf and Pippin in the film, yeah, um I think the first one thomas uh Sin read was was attributed to Pippin in the film, but, um, but yeah, I just love that quote, and it's it's the end of an adventure for some um for obviously for. For Frodo and Bilbo and, and Gandalf leaving the shores of of this Middle Earth, um, and going to experience something in Valinor that no that very few mortals and uh, can will ever experience. Um, so that I mean that's a big adventure in itself. And in the film, Bilbo says, "I'm quite ready for one more adventure" as he's kind of getting on the ship, and um, and it, it also sets up Sam to kind of go on his 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 life as as an adventure. So he's got. I forget how many kids he has at that point, but, um, I mean, having kids is an adventure as, (laughs) as those of us here who have them and anyone can attest. So, um, I just, yeah, I just love that quote. And, um, and then just, I'm not going to read it, but just at the very end of the book, um, and after Sam has gone back to, uh, gone back to the Shire with Frodo and, or with, uh, Pippin and Mary, and they all kind of go along their separate ways, and then his last the last line of Lord of the Rings is, well, I'm back, he said. And that just ties into the whole there and back again. And you're yeah. finally back for the last time in the, in the book. Obviously, if you read the appendix, there's a little bit more uh, <laughs> that you get. But um, but yeah, I just love that uh, anywhere. Anytime I hear that, I just love that particular quote. And I um, think it's just a great kind of summary of of our life, our, you know, our lives are an adventure in, in our real life here. And we're, you know, ultimately those, we all, we have the goal of becoming uh becoming un- united with God and the saints in heaven. And that kind of always evokes that for me of, you know, heaven is more of a state of being as far as we know, but it's kind of like, we always think of it in our human terms of it's like a nice, you know, green country. And yeah, it's, yeah. It, that's
2: such a touching passage.
0: Yeah, yeah, right, and it's definitely his kind of meditation on mortality.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely,
0: mm-hmm. it's like Thomas. I, I know you wanted to end on a high note with Aragorn, and because so. of that, I'm I'm actually gonna go first so I can let you okay. have the last one because <laughs> Aragorn's so cool. We definitely should end with him.
2: For Sounds sure. good. Yeah, but
0: I, I... my my last one is uh, this is from the Two Towers. I think it's the chapter called "The Stairs of Cirith but well, it's it's when I, I think by, by this point, Frodo and Sam have climbed the stairs and they haven't gone into Shelob's lair yet, but they're about to. And they're having this discussion about being inside a story like and like what 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 are adventures? Mm-hmm. And with that, they're it's kind of Tolkien's meta like uh, narrative here about adventures. Um, Sam says to Frodo. The brave things in the old tales and songs, Mr. Frodo. Adventures, as I used to call them. I used to think they were things the wonderful folk of the stories went out and looked for because they wanted them. Because they were exciting and life was a bit dull. A kind of sport, you might say. But that's not the way of it with the tales that really mattered. Or the ones that stay in the mind. Folk seem to have just landed in them, usually. Their paths were laid that way, as you put it. But I expect they had a lot of chances, like us, of turning back, only they didn't. And if they had, we shouldn't know, because they'd have been forgotten. We hear about those as just went on, and not all to a good end, mind you. At least not to what folks inside a story and not outside it call a good end. You know, coming home and finding things all right, though not quite the same, like old Mr. Bilbo. But those aren't always the best tales to hear. That they might be the best tales to get landed in, I wonder what sort of tale we've fallen into. that's so profound
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah it's 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 Sam
2: <laughs> this is one of those passages that they kind of altered a little bit for the movies right. and when when you have Sam giving his little like that's the tales that really matter speech right. in the movies like they did great with those with that section too.
1: I like that it's like amusing here though, you know like. Mm-hmm. this is more i can see sam just walking along idly wondering this as they're climbing the you know as they're climbing this just not encouraging in in the sense that it's just it's more like him just talking out loud and um i i like that that sense of the two of them and they, they did play that in the movies pretty well where you, you see sam kind of like being the the one who's talking and frodo's like just sullen and and quiet mm-hmm. and always you know burdened by the ring and everything. But um yeah, I, I just love this idea of Sam like, you know, just starting down this path and not really knowing where he's gonna get by the end of talking about it.
0: Right. He's he's kind of like Yeah, he's 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 just kind of beating around the bush of this issue mm-hmm. and, and seeing where it goes. But I, I like that that idea of that we're all kind of inside a story. You mm-hmm. know, we're inside the sort of great narrative of history. And a friend of mine, uh, I, I was talking about this with a friend of mine, and he said, you know, what's interesting is that we all think we're the protagonist of our own adventure. But as Christians, we know it's really Jesus Christ who's the protagonist. We are not the the sort of center of our own lives. It's Jesus Christ. So it's, it, it's interesting to think, like, that's the story we've all fallen into, is his story, the great mm-hmm. story. And we are all connected yeah. to it.
1: I like that.
2: Yeah, that's a great uh, meditation for Lent.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to bring us back out of it. I'm going to end on the high okay. note here. Yeah, so Aragorn, <laughs> let's Take go. Take a deep breath. So, uh, this is, I I can't really ever let a, pat, a, a, a time pass where I'm talking about quotes from the book where I don't get to this one because this one to me is the most touching uh, moment uh, of Aragorn in the books. And this is, um, it's in the Writers of Rohan uh, chapter in The Two Towers and it's the moment where they've just met Aomer. So, uh Aeomer and his crew have have come up and and uh wrapped around uh Gimli, Legolas and uh, Aragorn as they're searching for Merry and Pippin and leveled their spears at them and there's a lot of suspicion going back and forth between them. And so then there's a lot of, you know, who's who and, and everything and there's a really great moment where Aragorn like owns himself and like you know flaps his cape, his cloak open and shows the the sword and, you know, tells them who he is and Gimli and Legolas are both like, whoa, he's never been like this before. Like, he's like <laughs> they actually see him in like kind of a regal he's light.
2: flexing a little bit.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And, and so it's, and it's a great moment, but even later than that, there's like this really beautiful moment where Aylmer kind of pulls him aside and starts talking with him more directly and saying like, look, I know, you know, I, I trust who you are, but there's, there's some stuff going on and I can't really get into all of it right now, but you know, there's this, and then Aragorn is asking him about, you know, what his opinion is about what's happened. And um, and he says "Then what do you think has become of them asking about Merry and Pippin? And Aomer says, I do not know. They may have been slain or burned among the orcs, but that you will say uh, cannot be, and I do not fear it. I can only think that they were carried off into the forest before the battle, even before you encircled your foes, maybe. Can you swear that none escaped your net in such a way? And Aomer says, I would swear that no orc escaped after we sighted them, said Aomer. We reached the forest eaves before them, and if that any living thing broke through our ring, then it was no orc, and had some elvish power. And Aragorn replies, our friends were tired, even as we are, said Aragorn, and you passed us by under the full light of day. Oh, I had forgotten that, said Eomer. It's hard to be sure of anything among so many marvels. The world is all grown strange. Elf and dwarf and company walk in our daily fields, and folk speak with the Lady of the Wood and yet live, and the sword comes back to a war that was broken in the long ages ere the fathers of our fathers rode into the mark, how shall a man judge what to do in such times? As he ever has judged, said Aragorn. Good and ill have not changed since yesteryear, nor are they one thing among elves and dwarves and another among men. It is a man's part to discern them as much in the golden wood as in his own house. And that to me is like Aragorn in a nutshell, right? It's like good and evil don't change. There's... Mm -hmm. there's nothing new to it things may you know there may be crazy circumstances but what's right and what's wrong are always what's right and what's wrong and no matter where you
0: are on your adventure either whether you're in the golden Mm -hmm. wood or back in your own house right it's -hmm. the same standards for 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 judging what to do in any
1: particular circumstance right and wrong you know so that's my favorite it's it's Very tangentially adventure quote, but Ah. I couldn't let a chance pass to to read that one.
0: We need a life advice from Aragorn book. (laughs) You know, like
2: Like a newspaper column.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. What what should a man do in a time such as these? Well,
2: Dear Strider. (laughs) Dear Strider, yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, I love it. So yeah, I hope that we've uh, we've convinced everyone who who may be a kind of like movie only people to actually pick up uh, a Tolkien book and read it for this Tolkien Reading Day. I hope us picking out these passages has have encouraged you because yeah, the, the 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 trilogy can be kind of daunting. The Silmarillion is considered especially daunting, but uh, I in in fact I I just thought of this as we were discussing. Um, It'd be interesting what would what would each of you kind of say to someone who's who's thinking about picking up and reading a Tolkien book but hasn't yet. Do you have any suggestions or like, you know, or encouragement for why they should pick up one of the books and read if if they've seen the movies or the rings of power or something like that?
1: I'm going to make a very pragmatic suggestion first. Do not respect the chapters but the breaks that are presented therein. (laughs) So you're going to find lots of little like paragraph breaks where the story will kind of come to a natural pause and you can stop, put it down, walk away from it, come back to it later. (laughs) Because if you say, I'm just going to read one chapter tonight, you're, you're in for a very long night. (laughs) I'm going to read the council of Elrond. And it's like this huge chapter. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) So that would be my advice, just in a, in a very blanket, like very pragmatic advice there for that one.
3: Yeah, I would say some. And I was going to before you brought this up, Thomas. I was going to mention some people on the Discord were saying that they've started listening to the audiobooks. Yes. Uh, for this, so if reading, if you're if you're not much of a reader, or even if you are, and Tolkien in his obviously the language is maybe a little more dense at times than modern, you know, our modern fantasy that we see uh, nowadays. Um and if you think audiobooks might be your thing, check those out. Um I I've I will eventually listen to the um Andy Circus readings of them, but um those are on my list to do eventually. But I, I think that's a great way. And I, I think also I think we discussed that he's the Silmarillion is coming out, uh an audiobook version r- read by Andy Circus. And so um especially if you you may have read Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit, but you haven't read the Silmarillion yet. Um mm-hmm. And that's written in such a way that it's very poetic. So, hearing it out loud may may work out may work better for you if if you um, if it's if you read it and your your eyes start glazing over. But if it's something you can kind of <laughs> listen to, and you kind of can feel the the because it's it's poetry. So you, there's you know a meter to it. So if you listen mm-hmm. to it, um, you know that's definitely an option too. But um, yeah, that would be my advice, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll and second that. I can vouch for the
1: Andy Circus reading the Andy Serkis readings are, are very good like yeah. he does a really, really good job
0: with I'll, I'll second that for my advice with the audiobooks like I I've, I've listened to the a- Andy Serkis fellowship I haven't listened to the whole trilogy yet I usually listen to the Rob Inglis one because those are the ones I've listened to since I was 13 over and over and over <laughs> again so like I'm I'm so used to his voice and he has a good singing voice so he 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 you know he and there's a lot of singing <laughs> In, I in really like movie.
2: his his audiobooks. I like the way he does the songs they're very dear to me I don't even know if I'll try the Andy Circus ones like I don't feel like I need another audiobook right. because his are so good <laughs> one thing I will but say I'm about I'm that. happy for everyone yes <laughs> Andy Circus. he he
0: tries to imitate the actors voices from the movies mm-hmm. that's fun so if you're if if you're primarily coming at this through the movies, the Andy Serkis ones may actually be for you because it'll sound familiar. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't just do oh, his Gollum nice. voice; he kind of does a Viggo Mortensen. He kind of does, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, uh, all uh, he, he he tries to do all the different characters, and he he mostly succeeds in in pulling it off. Although I think Pippin sounds a little bit too Scottish. In,
2: in <laughs> his... mm, that's funny.
0: But, uh, but Does I mean, he
2: sing the songs?
0: Uh, does he? I can't remember. I think so. I think he does. Yeah, yeah. I believe he does. Yes, because he. I can't imagine he would not. <laughs> he sings. Right. He definitely sings the songs in the Hobbit. Mm-hmm. One, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe fun. he'll
3: sing the. Maybe he'll sing the entire Ainolindale whenever he gets around to <laughs> oh, recording that. That'd be great.
2: Thanks, Andy.
3: Yeah, I'm just imagining him singing about the fish as Gollum. And
1: so he's he's got it. Like oh, I can't remember yeah. it off the top of my head, but I know he does. The does the singing top. in the books?
0: <laughs> it, when he does the Silmarillion, he'll definitely make that geography of Balerian chapter easier to get through. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I, I've been told like that's where some people give up, and they're just like, "Oh, I don't care." The
2: placement of that chapter is so frustrating <laughs> because you have like finally got going and then you just run straight into that chapter (laughs) and like and if if you were someone who is new and you were like yeah i made it i'm in chapter i forgot what is chapter 14 and you're like yeah i made it i'm i'm so far and then you get to that chapter and you're like oh no what have no, i done is if that's is you just Catholic, skip though, right? just skip the chapter yeah. that's i give you exactly. permission to skip the chapter you can look at the map and yeah. come back to the chapter it's later. like hitting
0: numbers if you try to read that yeah, exactly the in- that's exactly
1: what it is or it's the, the right. genealogies right where you're just like you're reading along and then all of a sudden it's oh another one. Oh great <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, I do feel like that's very practical advice if you're new to Tolkien and like if you get to a section where you start feeling bored like just skim it and then keep going because like mm-hmm. yeah I can almost guarantee you that once you have read the Lord of the Rings once you're going to want to read it again mm-hmm. and then you'll mm-hmm. do a more careful reading and I feel like it's the same for the Silmarillion just like enjoy the ride and just zoom through it however you can skim whatever if you want to skip the songs you know I think you'll come back to them later, so don't yeah. put any like pressure on yourself when you're trying to read Tolkien. It's not like a big scary thing. It's meant to be yeah.
1: enjoyed, right? If, yeah. if you absolutely must, you absolutely must, and this is I only recommend this to people because I always hear about the first 150 pages of the book like it's so boring. There, that's right. So if you absolutely must, starting at the sign of the prancing pony, you're actually not missing terribly much of the story so if you read through the first chapter which is the you know the birthday party and the and the ring essentially and then the shadows of the past skipping three's company is probably not going to kill you you're going to (laughs) miss Bombadil and the Barrow Downs which are which are good for lore building but essentially reading through the shadows of the past and then skipping to um (laughs) the the prince the prancing pony you're probably good you're probably okay I'm just gonna, just going to throw that out there.
2: <laughs> I would also say Tolkien Gateway is your friend.
1: Yeah. It's right.
2: Like the the MVP of Tolkien websites. Like, just keep it bookmarked. It's a great resource.
0: Yeah. When whenever I need to to like if I can't find something in the book, I'm like, "Oh, what chapter is this in?" You know, like I'm always able to find it. But yeah, no. I I I would encourage everybody who like, you know, If if you've seen the movies, you've loved the movies, If you've seen the rings of power, you want to learn more like, you know, definitely dive into Tolkien's books. Please, please, if you're doing the Lord of the Rings, don't so many people tell me they give up at the birthday party. Why? I don't understand that. (laughs) Anyway, I could go on a whole rant about that. I love and
3: and that chapter is hilarious because there's one part of it where. They say something like, and there were wheelbarrows for those who inadvertently remained behind. <laughs> the people and which were. Is something you may not catch, you know, your first read of it, but then you read it again, and you're like, oh, <laughs> that's pretty that's a it's a good joke there. They're passed Mr. out Tolkien. drunk on the lawn and have
0: to be carted <laughs> away. Yeah, it's just great. The birthday party's that's great. Beautiful. Anyway, um but yeah, no, d-, d definitely read, you know, or you know, just just I guess my last piece of advice would be just like don't be intimidated you know mm-hmm. it, the 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 lord of the rings and and i get that you know even even the lord of the rings like might not be for everybody but you know tr- tolkien's written other stuff too the hobbit mm-hmm. former giles of ham you know there's there's other stories you know especially for younger readers too who are not ready to tackle the lord of the rings or the silmarillion just yet but like tolkien's got a whole world of stuff out there and and i will say once you're hooked though it you you will go and read every scrap of tolkien you can find mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> it's true and and like i i think i recommended this in one of our other podcasts but if if you're struggling with it there are graphic novel versions of the hobbit and the lord of the rings uh that are good they're they're really well done they encompass uh the really high points of what's happening and some of the the things that are said and the things that you know we that we talked about um i've had more than a couple of people that i've recommended those books that got turned on to the reading and then actually end up reading the book because they couldn't get the next one or you know they couldn't get the next graphic novel set so they actually ended up reading the book because they were interested in the story
0: Mm. yeah definitely And yeah, I I actually like when they do that, when they create graphic novels. Uh, Like, I know, like, Dune has a graphic novel too. Mm -hmm. And Dune is another really intimidating book that people have a hard time getting through. So I feel like that they're doing graphic novels of it now is is really great for making it accessible. Uh, Graphic novel of the Silmarillion. That would would actually be
3: really cool. That'd be really cool.
2: That would be insane. Come on,
3: Tolkien Estate. Let's let's, let's get on that. Anyways, Make an anime film of it or something.
2: <laughs> oh
0: my God, so cool. a, a manga of the Silmarillion yeah. would be insane. <laughs> anyway, before this goes a little bit off the rails. Um,
3: <laughs> you never uh, know where the road's going to lead you. Exactly, you <laughs> yes.
0: Perfect. <laughs> but I, I I wish everybody a, a happy Tolkien reading day from all of us here at Secrets of Middle-Earth. And we're going to be going on a lot of fun adventures in the future. And I can't wait to see what next year's theme is, because that, that, that'll that definitely be really fun. I'm going to be very interested. So um, before we go, though, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make this show possible, including Michael B., Daniel R., Justin P., Margaret Q., and Phil B., Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give help us to continue to create Secrets of Middle Earth and all the shows here at StarQuest. And you can join them at sqpn.com slash give. We'd love to hear from you. What are your favorite Tolkien reading experiences? What are your favorite quotes about travel and adventure from the Legendarium? You can let us know uh, how you're celebrating Tolkien Reading Day by reaching out to us at sqpn.com slash Middle Earth or on our Facebook page or on Twitter or you can send an email to MiddleEarth at sqpn.com or you can visit our channel on the StarQuest Discord server at sqpn.com slash Discord and we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing The Mighty Guardians of Arda The Valar. And until then, Thomas Sanherjo, thank you for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Middle-Earth. It has been my pleasure. And Caitlin Facista, thank you as well. Thank you. And Jeff Hecker, thank you also. Thank you, Thomas. Once again, I'm Thomas Salerno, and thank you for listening to The Secrets of Middle-Earth here on StarQuest.
1: Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Doctor Who. Find the show wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash
0: doctor who.